Good morning. Can I help you with some? Whoa. <laughs> Good morning, Spaceman Spiff. I'm looking for Alan Fuller. That's me? No. That's me. Whoa. What? How? What? I've traveled through time. I'm you from the future. You're me? Well, you, you're looking good. Have you, have you lost weight? If you're me, I mean, if I'm, I'm we, then why are you, me, wearing that suit? Everyone wears these suits in the future. How far in the future are you from? About a year, 11 months or so. Come on, you're telling me that in one year, everyone looks like that? Once Elon Musk started wearing them, everyone started wearing them. Okay, but why do we have an American flag and not a Canadian one? Well, Canada lost the Canadian-American war, but that's not important right now. What are you working on? Um, I'm working on one of my TikToks. It's this series that we're doing. Get it? TikTok. Perfect. That's why I'm here. Have you done the live llama on stage yet? Yes. Uh, no, I'm actually working on that for this week. Pretty excited about it. Okay, good, good, good. You're gonna have to trust me on this. Don't use the llama. Okay, I know it seems like a great idea, but things won't end well. But it's like my best idea ever. It's better than the Frequent Tithers Club. This is really gonna work. Trust me, don't use the llama. Uh, plus, has, has ADOT called yet? ADOT, why? Never mind, never mind. Okay, bye. I've got ADOT. What about ADOT? Alan? 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. So glad that you're here. My name is Alan. A uh, couple things. First off, uh, thank you, band. David and the band, you guys did a, uh, just an awesome job leading us to worship today. That was terrific. Secondly, I am disappointed with the fact that uh, there will not be a live llama this morning. I trust myself, and so as a result, that is not going to happen. But we are going to talk about time. Now, we are not doing TED Talks as a part of this series, as interesting as those are. We are doing TikToks because we are talking about the value of this commodity that God has given us, time. There's only a limited amount of it, and we get to decide what we're going to do with it, and God cares very deeply what we choose to do with it. What we started about on week one is identifying that there are three things you and I can do with an hour. With any given hour, we can do damage with that hour. We can hurt ourselves, hurt others. We can, uh, secondly, we can waste an hour we can just have an hour just vanish. Nothing gets accomplished. Nothing moves forward, etc. Or thirdly, we can build something. We can move something forward. We can build something in our own lives. We can develop something with ourselves, with someone else. We can help someone else. We can literally build something physically, whatever. There are different things that we can do with our hour, which is why I'm very excited about what David talked about in the video with regard to the journals that are going to be a new thing, a new experiment for us coming up in the next two series. We're going to do a series in September and then a series in October. And for both of those series, we're going to use one journal that uh, David had mentioned. And so this will allow you to have a regular encounter with God throughout the week. There's a daily experience for each and every one of us to have 
on your own, and then we come together on Sunday morning and continue the learning, continue the, the, uh, the journey. This is time well spent. Any time that we carve out time in the morning or in the evening or whatever to say, I want to spend more time with God, this is going to be time building something into eternity. And so we're excited about this. Hopefully, you will take the opportunity to pre-order one of these books, and then you can pick one up next week, one of these journals, and we'll walk this out together. That series starts September 9th, and we'll, we'll continue to remind you of that as we get closer. But this morning, as we continue our TikToks and talking about time worth spending, the topic for this morning is waiting. It is time to wait. <laughs> this is something we're not that big fans of. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait on the phone for customer service to take care of us. We don't like to wait in traffic, and this creates stress and anxiety in our lives. So how, how well are you at waiting? This thing that you cannot avoid, it's something we all have to experience. How good are you at waiting? How much stress or anxiety are you experiencing in your own life because of the need to wait? What we're going to talk about over the next chunk of time is how to wait well. We can't avoid waiting, so we might as well wait well. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you once again that you understand us, that you walked the soil of earth. You understand what it means to interact with one another. You understand the whole idea of waiting. And so you understand that we have to wait, that we can't avoid it. And so would you give us wisdom and guidance here today in terms of how we can wait well, how we can honor you, how we can build something even with the time where we have to wait. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, confession time, I don't wait well. I'm not a well waiter. I have prayed the prayer for patience a number of times and God does not seem to respond in a timely manner when I have prayed that prayer. Just recently, I went to visit a new doctor. It was a new doctor for me. I was kind of still trying to explore what's going on with my, with my ear and my hearing loss, et cetera. And so I went to this doctor in Scottsdale and it was a new doctor to me. I had an eight o'clock appointment with this doctor and they had asked me to come in early, as you would expect, to come in early and get paperwork done because it was my first time. And so I arrived at 7.30 at the doctor's office. And when you arrive at a doctor's office, you go into the lobby and you know what you're going to do in the lobby of a doctor's office because it's called the waiting room. We know what we're going to do in that room. It's aptly named. And as Jerry Seinfeld says, you, you wait in the big waiting room and then you get excited because your name gets called so that you can go then into the smaller waiting room and continue the journey of waiting. So I had an 8 a.m. appointment here at this doctor. It wasn't a big office. It was one doctor and and so I was there on time, and I was there in the big waiting room, and then in the small waiting room, and I waited for over two hours with no one coming by to check on me, no progress, no movement whatsoever. Yeah, see, I, you're feeling this, right? I mean, it was two hours, and I'm not in that profession. I don't understand, you know, all the nuances of it, but, but I, just can't, I just can't explain this. I can't understand how 
I, I, I have an appointment at 8 o'clock. I didn't just come in off the street. I had an appointment at 8 o'clock that they told me that's a good time for me to come. They should be expecting me. How could they be two hours behind by 8 o'clock in the morning? I don't understand. And so I uh, ended up, after two hours, I was watching my clock, and at two hours I thought, okay, this is ridiculous. So I left the little waiting room, which you're not supposed to do right? You go in that room and you don't move. You don't move. You're not allowed to wander around in the hallways. And so I did. I'm wandering on the hallways. I'm, I'm just saying, hello, hello. Is there anybody here? And there was no one there. I thought maybe the rapture had happened and I was <laughs> left. Like, so I got real nervous, but I was just wandering around. And, and then someone came up to me and said, sir, you need to go back into the waiting room. You're not allowed to wander in the hallways here. We'll be with you as soon as we can, etc." And put me back in the room where I belong. Just once again, I don't wait well. How well do you wait? My guess is that I'm not the only one here who's not a great waiter because we live in a culture that doesn't wait well. We live in a culture that is not very conducive to happy waiting. We want stuff and we want it when? Now. We want our food now. We want someone to get back to us now. There's no waiting. When we want to watch a movie on Netflix, we want it to show up on the screen now. That swirling circle gives us no level of comfort. Yeah, it's coming, it's coming, but I've been waiting seven seconds for this thing to start. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to waste time like this. We want stuff now, which makes it unnerving when we read Scripture and it repeatedly says, wait upon the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. What's that all about? When I wait for somebody, it means they are irresponsible. They're slow or they're, or they're, they'll, they're ill-prepared. If I'm waiting on somebody, so why does the Lord make us wait on Him? And yet it is, it is repeated throughout Multiple times throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, this idea of wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. What does that mean? This morning, I want to take a look at one of the instances where we find this phrase, wait on the Lord. It was a psalm written by King David in the book of songs in the, uh, Psalms in the Old Testament. Uh, it's, if you have your Bible with you, it's the very middle of the Bible. You open that up, you're probably going to land on the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 27, David writes this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Now, as you hear that or see that up on the screen, does this come across to you as a positive experience from David or a negative one? Positive. Look at these words. I remain confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is a positive experience David is, is having here as he talks about waiting. That's not how most of us experience waiting. Something positive. And so why is it that David is, is talking about or has a tone of something that is positive and bright and confident and goodness, etc.? Now, you might think, well, because he's the king. 
he's King David, and the king gets whatever the king wants whenever he wants. Where's my hoss and feather? And then the, and then the king gets what he wants right away. But David was no stranger to waiting. We don't know exactly when Psalm 27 was written, but it was certainly written after he had done some significant waiting in his life. If you go back to the story of David, he was 15 years old when he was told by the prophet Samuel that he would one day be the king of Israel. The prophet went to his family, talked to his father, looked at all his brothers, and went to the youngest and the smallest who was David and said, you are the one who will be king of Israel one day. He was 15 years old. The next year, at age 16, is when David wanders onto the battlefield where there's this Goliath standing in the center, and David says, well, I'll take on this guy, and takes the slingshot and kills Goliath at age 16 having heard just a year before that that he would one day be king of Israel. Now, how long did David have to wait until he became king of Israel? So the story continues. David is 17, 18, 19. And after the Goliath story, David's popularity just grew immensely. And the the king at the time was King Saul, the first king of Israel, And as David's popularity grew, so did Saul's jealousy of David. And so Saul became so jealous of David, and David became so popular that Saul said, I've got to wipe this guy out. I've got to wipe out this young David. And so Saul pursues David into the mountains, into the caves around that region with intent to kill, going out to wipe out to kill this young David. And he's on this journey and going after him. And and this goes on for, for years and years and years. David is waiting and running for his life for 15 years. Saul doesn't die until David is 30 years old. 15 years David has to wait. And then he becomes king of 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 the south. He becomes king of Judah, just one of the regions of Israel. It takes another seven years for David to become king of all of Israel. He waited 22 years after the prophecy from Samuel. 22 years. How how often do we have to wait for something for 22 years? And yet he says, at some point in that journey, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. There's this positive tone to this here. One of the things I discovered this week that I'm, I'm, I just think is so fascinating that in the Old Testament, the translation of the concept of wait comes across in two different ways. It shows up in two different concepts we find in different reputable translations of the Old Testament. It comes up in the, in the concept of waiting, the word wait, or that same Hebrew concept shows up in the word hope. Check this out. This is Psalm 25. In the NASB, great translation says, indeed, none of those who wait for you, God, will be ashamed. The NIV, which is what I typically teach out of, says that same verse, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Wait and hope are interchangeable. 
We find the same thing in Psalm 37. NASB says, wait for the Lord and keep his way. NIV translates that same verse, hope in the Lord and keep his way. Once again, Psalm 69. NASB says, may those who wait for you not be ashamed through me. But the NIV says, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. You can see this this interchangeability between the concept of waiting and the concept of hoping. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible that we have this concept in our culture of waiting that is negative? We don't like waiting. We want to avoid waiting. We want to do all that we can to not have to experience waiting. Now I want it now, I want it now. Waiting is bad. And we know culturally, we know personally, hope is good. We want hope. I can't think of an experience where hope is not a good situation. Hope is good. Hope is great. Hope is what we want. Hope is what we need. And yet those two concepts, one bad, one good, are interchangeable in our translation of the Hebrew understanding of waiting. In other words, waiting is not just the passage of time. Waiting is an opportunity to expect something good to happen. Waiting and hoping are overlapped in the Hebrew understanding. This is beautiful. This is a good thing. So let's take a look at how this can shape our own experience of waiting. As we head into that, what I want to do is a little participation experience with you here today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to wait. Aren't you excited? Just pretend you're in a doctor's office or whatever. I'm going to give you an opportunity to wait. All right? Let's do this together. We're going to put a clock up here on the screen. Let's enjoy a moment of waiting. that's enough. Did you have as much fun as I expected you to have with that? No, no, some of you are thinking, ooh, Alan probably is a little short on material this morning. (laughs) So he took advantage of the fact that it's, the topic is waiting, so we'll just kind of carve out one of the 30 minutes in that way, maybe, 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 maybe. How many of you I, I could actually feel it in the room a little bit. How many of you, when it was in the center that you thought, okay, we're gonna stop then, but we're surprised that it continued a little bit beyond that. How many? Okay, okay, a little bit there. I've kind of engaged with the concept of waiting this week, and I, I think there are three different kinds of waiting, two of which we experienced in that little waiting clock opportunity that we just had. I think there are three different kinds of waiting. First of all, there's clock waiting. Clock waiting is simply the passage of time. It is the ticking of the second hour. It is, it is simply knowing we, we have to get from here to here and it takes a certain amount of time. The show is going to start in 12 minutes. We know that's when it's gonna start and so we just kinda have to wait. We know that it's gonna happen. We know when it's gonna happen. There's just a chunk of time that we have to wait between now and then. It's a 15-year-old who understands 
he or she has to wait three months before they can drive the car with, with their own driver's license. They just have to wait that time. They can't speed up that time. There's nothing they can do. They just have to wait that time. It's someone of, a, of an older age who says, you know what, in just two years, I will get the benefit of the fries discount on Wednesdays. <laughs> and you know it's going to happen, and you're excited about it, and there's a mix of emotions there, but you're excited to be able to jump in and say, I will get that special bonus in that way. It's simply a, a matter of, of time moving from here to there. It's the child in the back seat saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And, 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 and for, you know, sometimes there's an immaturity that doesn't understand the concept of the ticking time, and so we can be restless with all that. But for the most part, clock waiting is, is manageable. It can be frustrating, but it's just we kind of understand the space between now and then. The second type of waiting is when waiting. This is when we know that something is going to happen. We just don't know when. And so there's an increased level of frustration with that. This is waiting at the doctor's office. You know you're going to see the doctor eventually. It's very unlikely we'll get to the end of the business day at the doctor's office. The light will go off and they'll say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave now. Very unlikely that's going to happen. You will see the doctor, you just don't know when. This is getting caught in traffic. You're stuck in traffic and you don't know if, uh, you know, this. you know you will eventually start moving, but you just don't know if it's going to be three minutes from now or it's going to be an entire hour of just sitting there. Might as well shut the car off. You don't know when often. Siri only knows so much in terms of the traffic flow. This is when you make a poor decision at Costco in terms of which line you're going to get into. And so you know eventually, even in your line, things are going to move forward. But it's frustrating to watch all the other lines move at a quicker pace than yours. And you wonder, what's happening? Why is the person at the front wasting your valuable time? And so this, again, there's an increased level of frustration with when waiting. We don't know, should I just be patient or should I jump in and, and, and do something as a part of this? Should I say something, etc.? Then the third type of waiting is if waiting. This is when we not only don't know when something's going to happen, but we don't know if it's going to happen. And this is when the anxiety and the stress increases significantly. When we say, I don't know if I'm going to have a job six months from now. I just, I just don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if my spouse is going to remain faithful. I don't know if my spouse is going to remain sober as we walk through this journey or whatever. I don't know if my loved one is going to fully recover from this surgery, this procedure, or this illness or whatever. There's an if attached to it. And as a result, the stress increases significantly. Not only we don't know when something's going to happen, we wonder and we have to wrestle with the idea of if. If, if this is going to take place. And so this is the most difficult of all the waiting. It's the if waiting. So for you, as you think about what you're waiting for right now, in what area of your life there might be stress or anxiety because of something that you're waiting for, are you experiencing clock waiting or when waiting or if waiting? Regardless of which waiting you're experiencing, typically when we, when we have to wait in our culture, it doesn't bring out the best in us. It often will bring out the worst in us. 
even with clock waiting, that yes, there's a, there's a point of that where we just have maturity that says, you know, I gotta wait. I gotta wait for these number of seconds, no matter what's going on. But sometimes we, even in clock waiting, we respond in immature ways. This is the, the young person who creates the fake ID that says, I don't wanna wait until I'm that age before I can experience that, before I can do that, before I can participate in that. And so it leads to some poor choices. This is the person who says, I don't wanna wait in order to buy that item. I don't wanna wait for that. I don't, I, I'm not interested in the clock passing time so that I can save money and I can take care of that. I want it now. And so we go into debt and then the debt rolls into debt and we'll figure that out later. And so it's our immaturity and our impatience that even with clock waiting can bring out the worst in us. With when waiting, I think it can go either way because it depends on how much we take on problems that are outside of ourselves. In other words, we can fret quite a bit about when waiting when we fret about things we have no control over. When we are in when waiting and we get stirred up and anxious and about, about things that have, there's nothing we can do about it. It's the person who's stuck in a traffic jam honking. That, that's the person in the traffic, just sitting there and just going, I'm in a hurry. I have a button in front of me that will make noise. And so, and everyone around is going, what are you doing? What are you talking about? What are you honking about? All of us would love to get a move on here, but there's something outside of our control. There is a, a police situation or an accident or a, a, some kind of delay or construction or whatever. That's outside of our control. And so with when waiting, we can either get all stirred up about it or we can separate what I have control over versus stuff I do not have control over. And when waiting can actually be comforting because we can say, okay, I'm in a when waiting situation that does bring a level of anxiety, but I can say, you know what, what I have control over in the situation I've done well with, I'm prepared, I'm ready, I've done, what I, I've done all that I can do, and now I can sit and wait because the rest of it is outside of my control. It's a person saying, I want to find the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. I want to find that person I believe God wants me to find that person. God has someone for me, but I just don't know when God's going to reveal that person to me or allow me to meet that person. And so we hope and we trust and we wait. Or it could be someone saying that they, they're waiting to get clarity on what God's purpose is for the next phase of their life. There's some change that is happening that is around the corner, and they don't know what it looks like around the corner. But they believe that God has a plan for their life. They just don't know when God's going to reveal that plan with clarity. And so they trust, and they hope, and they wait. When waiting can go either way. But then thirdly, there's if waiting. And once again, this is the most difficult of all the forms of waiting. And when we are caught up in the if waiting, this whole idea of not knowing when it's going to happen, and we don't know if it's going to happen, we don't know if someone is going to come through, we don't know if God is going to come through, and so in that moment, in that struggle, we enter into despair, 
the trust starts to fade away, the hope fades away, and what happens oftentimes is we choose to take matters into our own hands. We say, you know what? God is not going to come and take care of the situation. I've waited for a while. God has not come in and taken care of the situation, so I will. God has not punished that person, so I will. God has not fixed my spouse, so I will. God has not fixed our marriage, so I will leave. God has not shown up, and I'm tired of doing the if waiting, so I'll take matters into my own hands. When we lose our ability to wait, we lose our ability to hope. Now, here in this room, one of the common experiences we have is that you all have been waiting. You've, waiting, you've been waiting for me to have clarity on a point. Just that, that, I, would, that I would have clarity. Because my understanding of Sunday mornings is that they're much more effective when there's a point. And so you're kind of waiting, okay, where is he going with this or whatever? You've been waiting for me to give clarity on how does this have to do with Psalm 27 that we looked at some time ago. You've been waiting for clarity on that. So let me take a look at this again. This is the, word, this is the words of King David, once again, someone who was, was no stranger to waiting. And he says here in verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The positive tone in this says, I am confident I will see. This is not if waiting. This is when waiting. David is saying, I trust in the Lord. Absolutely unwavering trust in the Lord. I will see his goodness. I will not die and wonder if God is good. I will see the goodness of the Lord. This is not if waiting, it is when waiting. So here's the point I wanna make here this morning and hopefully it resonates as good news for you as it does for me. For those who wait on the Lord, who put their hope in the Lord, all waiting is when waiting. See, it's the if waiting that's the frustrating stuff. When we wait in the Lord, Wait on the Lord. All waiting is when waiting. We don't have to wrestle with and experience the anxiety of if waiting in our lives. We don't have to take matters into our own hands out of fear or concern that God's not going to show up. We don't have to worry about that. David didn't. David, during his 15 years of waiting, he had two opportunities to kill King Saul. And in both of those opportunities, his buddies around him said, wow, David, God has provided the opportunity for you. I know that God wants you to be king, and so he's giving Saul right to you. Go ahead and kill Saul. And both times, David, though human and, and tempted, said, you know what? I am not going to kill God's anointed. This is, this is not for me to take matters into my own hands. I trust God. I am confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So David there in those two situations says, I will, not take, I will not take matters into my own hands. When we, when we uh, those who wait on the Lord, for those who wait on the Lord, waiting is, all waiting is when waiting. All waiting is when waiting, not 
the sludge of if waiting. We see this in the New Testament when the concept of waiting is talked about in the New Testament. Primarily, it's talking about the second coming of Jesus. It's talking about one day, Jesus will return. He came, he died on the cross, rose, ascended into heaven, and there was a promise that one day Jesus would return and all evil, all sin, all brokenness will be ratified, will be completely eradicated. And, and Satan will be annihilated when Jesus comes back. That whole language of waiting that we see in the New Testament, there's multiple parables about it. Are you ready? Are, are you prepared? Jesus is coming. All of that stuff, it's not if language. It's when language. So for the believer in, in Jesus, in the story of Jesus, it's not if Jesus will come back. It is when Jesus comes back. For those who wait on the Lord, all waiting is when waiting. And that is good news. That is good news. So what are you waiting for? What, what is something that is that you are struggling with the anxiety of having to wait for something, whether it's clock waiting or when waiting or if waiting or whatever that situation might be. What are you waiting for? Let me just tell you, whatever it is, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you've brought that to Jesus and he knows about it, he has heard you. He has heard the desires of your heart. And, and, and part of the good news is, is, yes, it's true, God doesn't always answer our prayers or desires of our hearts in the time that we would like. He may not respond when we would like, and the answer may not even be what we would like. It may not respond the way that we would like God to respond. But let me just assure you the promise. I'll promise you here today, and it comes from David's scripture, thousands of years ago, you can be confident that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can be confident in that, that your waiting doesn't have to be if waiting that tempts you to take matters into your own hands. It can be, it is when waiting for those who wait on the Lord. It is when waiting. And when we do that, the hope rises and the trust rises and the confidence rises. That's how we wait well. We wait well when we keep our waiting in the wind waiting, saying God is gonna be faithful. It's not if God is going to take care of us, it's when and how. We watch this out and see how God's gonna use things to, to meet our, our needs. It's not if God is going to bring joy back into your life, it's when God is going to bring contentment and joy back into your life. And there might be a period of waiting where God wants to do something in your life between now and then. But it's not if. It's when. It's not if you're going to experience freedom from an addiction or from some kind of secret sin in your life. It's not if. It's when. It's not if you get to discover your role in God's story. It's when. It's when. There are, yes, there are times, and it can be frustrating when God invites us into the grand waiting room of life, and we have to sit there, and we ran out of magazines to read. It can be frustrating, but let me, let me just tell you, based on God's timing, 
God's schedule, the great physician will meet you. (laughs) It's not if, it's when waiting. And so on that time in between, multiple times in the Old Testament, when there's a reference to waiting, it says, says, during the waiting, that's when we grow our strength. Isaiah says in chapter 40, for those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. During that time, we don't just sit and twiddle our thumbs. It's during that waiting we say, when God shows up, when God is going to meet this, when God is going to uh, give an answer to this prayer or whatever. In the meantime, we get stronger. We don't get weaker. We don't get in despair. We don't go into the take matters into our own hands. We get stronger. And that's how we wait well. We trust, we hope, we wait well. And we get stronger in the meantime. We're gonna sing about that here in just a a moment. This idea of waiting on the Lord builds our strength. As we're moving into that, would you um, stand up? I wanna pray with you and then we're gonna sing this song together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, I pray that you'd give us a perspective here today that our waiting is not a waste of time. That it's how we do the waiting. It's, it's what we think of. It's what we think of you during the waiting that matters. That's what it means to wait well. So God, I thank you for the, for the clarity from King David that says he's he, he, it is when waiting for him, he knows that he will see your goodness in the midst of that waiting. God, would you help us to, to connect waiting with hope, that we will expect something good from you. We will grow stronger in our relationship with you while we wait for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.